1: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's Thursday here on Talk of Champions, and that means it's that. <sighs>
0: Thursday with Nick Suss and the Jackson-Clegan-Ledger. Hey, buddy! Imagine if this was the first time somebody tuned in to me on the show and they just heard you going, <"S-> <sighs> oh. without explanation. That, that'd be real fun.
1: That'd be great. That'd be great. That's us. How you feeling with Ole Miss LSU a couple days away?
0: I know college games can't end in ties, but, like, can this one end in a tie? <laughs>
1: So these teams are that even for you on the field? Because I don't feel that way. I've been scared to death all week about it.
0: I feel like they are even because it's a situation where both teams' strengths line up pretty well with the other team's weakness. And when that happens, it just probably comes down to whose strength is stronger. And I think Ole strength is probably a little bit stronger, but it's also 230 in Death Valley. So it's gonna it's gonna get dark in the third or fourth quarter, and I know pretty well. And Ben, I know you bet know better than anybody when it gets dark at Tiger Stadium. Weird stuff happens. So
1: terrifying. I'm not gonna
0: lie. If this game is close in the third and fourth quarter, like I kind of think it'll be, I think we're gonna see some weird stuff. If if Ole Miss breaks out to another 21 nothing lead or 19 to six lead, whatever their first half leads have been on average and can actually hold on to it and not have a devastatingly bad quarter like it seems to have every year or every week. Yeah. Maybe I think this game could be normal and all this can cruise, but we can get into the specifics of why I think this, but gosh, there are some things that are LSU strengths that should just be downright terrifying given what all Miss's weaknesses are.
1: Yeah. That's what I want to know. Cause like I said, I've been scared all week. So what does Jaden Daniels and LSU and not just the offense, but defensively. What does LSU do well?
0: Defensively, they've been pretty good this year. They've been pretty consistent. But, and and we'll start with the thing that will be positive for Ole Miss fans, they have allowed more than 200 rushing yards in three different games, one to Southern University, and then back-to-back weeks against Tennessee and Florida. It's kind of like we talked about with Auburn last week of – they're a really talented defense, and if the scheme works, there's a way they could slow down this Ole Miss rushing attack, but also sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. And if Tennessee runs for 263 and two scores, and Florida runs for 210 and four scores, Ole Miss is probably going to run the ball well, and I give them credit. They have a good linebacker room. They've got a really good defensive line. You guys remember me talking back in August how good I think this LSU team is, but the facts are the facts and the facts are this team has not defended the run very well. I mean, I'm looking at the situational stats now this year in the fourth quarter alone, they're allowing 5.6 yards per carry. It's not a good thing to, to be playing defense that way when you're playing an Ole Miss team that just ran for 448 yards. So that's the plus side. If you're all Miss strength aligning with weakness, the downside is Ole has not figured out how to contain scrambling quarterbacks this year. And Jaden Daniels is statistically the most effective scrambling quarterback in the country. He's gained more yards off of scrambles on designed pass plays than any other quarterback in college football. He has more yards after contact on his runs than any player in college football, quarterback, or running back. He is going to be a guy that if you get a hand on him in the backfield, that's not enough. And Robbie Ashford, I think, had like 44 yards after contact last week. Braylon Braxton against Tulsa, I think he had like 38 yards after contact. Vanderbilt knew this, and they had designed packages to put in their backup quarterback to run. That's how teams have been attacking Ole Miss this year. And I'm not saying it's worked. Obviously, Ole Miss is 7-0. But if you want to talk about the, oh, that, that could be a really weird recipe for success, LSU's running game on pass plays is going to be – nerve inducing anxiety inducing for Chris Partridge and his unit how do you solve that outside of just spying on the quarterback with the linebacker yeah i don't know if it's a spying issue cuz yeah. i mean let's just think about this numerically you're running a base 326 defense and i know it's not as uniform as it was last year they're not in the 326 every play but you're generally going to have five or six players in the box and you're generally going to have six to eight players in coverage so let's average it out and say you start a snap with six players in the box and you drop seven in coverage with rush four. If you've got seven people back and you bring four, once somebody breaches that first line of attack, those first four defenders, there's going to be about a 10-yard cushion between the coverage and the quarterback. That's true everywhere. That's not just true of this defense. That's why scrambling is so effective in football is because defensive backs are in a backpedal and they have to change direction to come meet a quarterback who is now running towards them. When you have a defense like Ole Miss's, this is when it amplifies it, that plays so far downhill, that says, oh, we're only rushing three or four, but we're running like a bat out of hell to get you. And everybody's coming downhill. That's when you're susceptible to one missed tackle and the guy can go even longer, because the defensive backs are even further back. The players are even more in their zone. It's it's tricky. It's really tricky to kind of handle that. And the simplest way, again, you're you're right. You just have to say, oh, you got to tackle the guy. Like yeah. if you get a hand on him, it better be two hands.
1: Yeah. You see that criticism every single week. Why is almost only rushing three? I mean, I've said it before on Twitter, and they do sometimes, but like. If they were to change it drastically like that and philosophically like that, if they were to load up the box, sell out to stop the run, or to contain a scrambling quarterback, you're really changing everything about your defense philosophically. Yeah. You would rather have a short-term problem
0: than a long-term problem because you try to change things in the middle of the year. And also, I mean, let's just put it in blunt terms. If you were to pick Olmis's five best defenders, how many of them would be safeties? At least three. That's why they play so many. Like, It's also a matter of personnel. Lane Kiffin is not a person who's going to run a 3-2-6 because he thinks it's the right thing to do. <laughs> He's going to run a 3-2-6 because that's where his players are best. It's the same reason that when he has good running backs, he runs the ball. When he has good receivers, he throws the ball. It's, it's a matter of taking advantage of your talent. And when this team has A.J. Finley, Otis Reese, Taishim Johnson, Aishin Young, and Ladarius Tennyson, they're going to do everything they can to get all five of those guys or four of those five guys on the field at the same time on top of DeAndre Prince and Davis Enigbinosa, who've both played well this year. So the scheme is the scheme because that's where the players are. If they had four or five down linemen that they trusted, they'd probably run more four or five down linemen. If they had three or four linebackers that they trusted, they'd probably run more three and four linebacker sets, but they're at a place where their best players are in the back end. So They play a lot of back-end guys and they force teams to beat them by not getting behind the sticks. It's a compliment I've given this defense so many times this year is they play downhill and they force second and 12 and they force third and nine. And it's hard to beat them to gain those 10, 12 yards that they need on third down because the secondary is so good. But that strategy is predicated on getting them into second and long, getting them into third and long. When teams have, the ability to play downhill when they're gaining four or five yards per carry on first down, when they're getting to the second and manageable third and short, that's when situations like Vanderbilt's eight and a half minute drive happen where gosh, I mean, teams are just running through them because sometimes if you don't get them behind the sticks, they're just going to keep barreling forward.
1: Yeah. Cause one of the biggest knocks against a three man front is that you're automatically handing them running lanes you know, with a four down lineman and three linebackers set, if you're running just a typical four, three, all those running lanes, potential running lanes are pre snap clogged up and then post snap. That's when it can get messy. But like, if you're running a three man, you're conceding running lanes to them to start. So I get the criticism of it, but I get why they stick with it because that is the philosophy. And if you try to change it in any drastic way, I mean, you could compound the problem and then create a long-term problem.
0: It's worked more than it hasn't. Like, the thing I was saying about getting them into second and 12, they have like 47 tackles for loss this year, bringing three or four guys. Like the strategy works, but when it doesn't, it's the same thing with this Ole Miss offense. Ole Miss is built where either they're going to do something incredibly phenomenal or they're going to fail. Like this isn't a team that's going to have an eight-play, 34-yard drive that ends in a punt. And this isn't a defense that's going to give up a couple of first downs and then hold a field a long field goal. Like you're either going to get a three and out or a turnover, or they're going to drive for 50 yards. You're either going to score on a 13 play 85 yard drive, or you're going to go three and out. Like it's a compelling brand of football, but it's really frustrating when it doesn't work. Luckily for them, it's worked more often than it hasn't on both sides of the ball.
1: Jane Daniels. Then how do you <laughs> slow him down if you know he's going to break down? If he is the most effective scrambling quarterback in the country, which statistically he is. How do you slow him down?
0: I don't know. I think that, like, there's a temptation to say, well, let him throw the ball. Like, give him that first read. Play soft cushion. Let him throw six yards at a time and try and make the sure tackle. Keep him in front of the sticks. But, again, if that's the whole thing, if you're trying to take away scramble ability, then you either got to tackle him or you got to let them – do what they actually want to do because these scrambles aren't designed obviously they there are one or two reads he has before he tucks and runs so you could give him those reads you could let him throw a four yard out route to Keishon Booty and see what happens but I don't know it's when offenses are improvisational it's really hard to take away because they're improvising like you're not taking anything specific away it'd be like how do you take away Patrick Mahomes' ability to sidearm the football? Like, that's just something he does because he needs to sometimes. Yeah. It's not like you game plan against it. It's, hey, watch out. He might do this weird thing that's hard to stop.
1: So simply just do what you do well.
0: Yeah, which is always the best way to win. I, I, I wish I was better Correct. at getting that across because yes. it's, it's really easy to win when you're better at the stuff you're great at, which is why I let off by talking about the run game of like, look, it could be really simple if Tennessee ran for 265, if Florida ran for 210, Ole Miss could run for 300. Like if LSU's defense plays the same way that it has the last two weeks and Ole Miss's offense plays the same way it has this season, Ole Miss might just be able to run forever. But there's no guarantees that that's going to work. Cause like we talked about last week, Oh, well, Auburn hasn't given up a passing touchdown in six weeks. They might not be able to throw Jackson dart had three passing touchdowns in the first half. Like, the stats don't always turn out to be themselves. Like there is atypicality sometimes, but if you do trust that it's not an outlier when back-to-back teams run for 200 yards against you, yeah, Ole Miss should be able to run the ball pretty well. When's the last
1: time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional, of the utmost importance and that's where my friend thomas chandler comes in thomas is a financial planner with capital financial group and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future so give him a call today at 662-296-0186 that's 662-296-0186 and tell him that ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with thomas chandler of capital Financial group. Your Omas baseball rebels are national champions. Yes, that really happened. Your eyes did not deceive you. And what better way to celebrate since we all spent way too much money getting to and back home from Omaha than with a new car? Talk of Champions is also brought to you in part by MyBookie. You know football, and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for them at MyBookie? Bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over half a million to be won make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag, and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, T-O-C on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, T-O-C to get your first deposit matched, dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. MyBookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season, exclusively at MyBookie. Why was it so bad defensively against Robbie Ashford and Auburn?
0: Robbie Ashford, give him the credit. He made some really impressive plays. I mean, what was it, a third and 15 and a third and seven on the same drive? He found a way to escape would-be sacks, and he kept his eyes downfield. And they made some plays. I, I give them credit. They found open spaces. They found soft spots in the zone. But I don't know. It's just been this year when mobile quarterbacks have gotten outside the pocket. Ole Miss's players haven't done a great job of bringing them down, great of bringing them down within the pocket. But once the players get ahead of steam, I don't know what it is, but Ole Miss's uh, pass rushers have not done a great job of containing them.
1: It's not like if you just spied him that all of a sudden, A.J. Finley, you're the spy. Well, that's putting a lot on him to make the tackle. <laughs> you yeah. Know, to make the hardest tackle in football an elusive in-space player, stop him by yourself. You're
0: you're betting on these guys being more athletic than Jaden Daniels. And I think pound for pound, they probably are, but there's a reason that he leads the country in scramble yards and that he leads the country in yards after contact. If you get a hand on him, it's hard to bring him down. You gotta, you gotta be sure handed. And since Lane Kiffin has spent the last two weeks, just hammering home that this team's struggling to tackle. That's, that's a bit of a concern.
1: When Lane Kiffin's saying something, you got to listen. None of that sounds pretty simplistic, but when he's talking about the crowd, if he's saying something very publicly, he means it. So if he identifies, hey, we're not tackling well, he means it. That's the biggest issue, tackle better.
0: And that's a fun thing that I think Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly actually have in common is the way they use their press conferences to make messages to their own team. They're probably the only two coaches in the conference who are – pretty comfortable like calling out their players in a way like that and i'm not saying lane kiffin's calling out specifically he's calling out the entire defense but he's called out
1: some guys specifically though
0: one guy in particular yeah
1: when he was talking all about blended family and buy-in and stuff i've told this to people off show before he's talking or he was talking about michael trick
0: which is the thing you give Brian Kelly credit for because he's done that multiple times this year. I know you're probably not paying attention to his press conferences that closely, but there are times where he's like, Yeah, no, I haven't gotten through to Kayshawn yet. It's I appreciate like, that, honestly. I think it's kind of great. What was the deal with Kayshawn? Don't know. It's just like last week, he had something like 100, and let's see, last, he's their third leading receiver, which is just insane. So before last week, he had 130 receiving yards on the season. Last week, he had 115. So, like, they are finally getting him involved. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I, I've, heard, I've talked to some friends who cover the team who have said there's some stuff going on behind the scenes of just compatibility. But I don't want to speculate too wildly other than to say... I mean, Ole Miss fans remember what happened last time they went to Baton Rouge. They know how good this kid could be.
1: They haven't won in Baton Rouge since 2008. 2008, and that seems wild because I felt like Ole Miss LSU has been pretty competitive since 2008, and yet they haven't won in Baton Rouge since then, and they beat the absolute dog shit out of LSU that day. That was a good LSU team. I think they were top 20, and they went in there and just destroyed them. Well, Drell Poe was on the podcast yesterday, and he was one on that team, the last team that won. In Baton Rouge in 2008, and he kind of speaking to what you were talking about in matchups and stuff. Said Ole Miss needs to effectively come out in his four-minute offense all game, keep Jaden Daniels off the field. The problem is that Ole Miss has been terrible in four-minute offense outside of finishing against Auburn.
0: It's also funny if we're if we're talking about people we talked to this week, and you're talking about the the weird thing about playing in Baton Rouge. I talked to Bo Wallace a little bit this week about that 2014 game that you guys don't want me to talk about. It's, it's relevant. Last time they were 7-0, and last time they played. It's, it's all there. You guys can read the story. The last here.
1: time they were 7-0 and was 2014, and they lost their eighth game
0: at LSU. And so I talked to Bo about that, and something he told me, which I had never considered before, he said his sophomore year, 2012, they went to Tiger Stadium for a 230 kick. And so his senior year, he goes back and says, oh, I'm going to prepare for the same atmosphere. That 2014 game was at 630. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was not the same atmosphere. It was not.
1: No, it was not. And
0: and Bo said he was surprised, and just about everybody on the team was surprised, that, oh, they thought they knew Tiger Stadium, but when the lights go down, or when the lights come on, when the sun goes down, something changes about that place. And I think that's actually a transferable thought of, a lot of players on this team have played at Tiger Stadium before in 2020 during COVID. So like, oh, you think you know that environment. They haven't played a hostile crowd all year. I mean, mm-hmm. I, was, I was at the Georgia Tech game. I was at the Vanderbilt game. Both of those felt neutral crowd at worst, home games at best. Like, the opposing teams weren't super into it, fan-wise. Now you're going to have 80, 90,000 LSU fans, probably five really to 10,000 Ole Miss fans.
1: Really drunk,
0: all of them it's going to be something worth adjusting to. The other thing Bo told me, which maybe you know the story, I didn't know it. He said the entire game in 2014, he was just on the headset with Werner saying, why aren't we taking shots? Just over and over again. Like, why are we running the ball? What, What is the point of this? Let's just throw, let's just throw. Why are we running? Why are we running? And so I looked at the numbers to see if he was right. Uh, in the second half, they ran the ball on first down nine times and gained two yards.
1: But they kept doing it. It was maddening.
0: And, they were not happy. And a thing that, I mean, if you guys are fans of the 2014 season, Bo was pretty candid where he said around halftime of the Texas a and game, he feels that the players and coaches started to have so much confidence in the defense that the offense just became... A byproduct of just like oh we can win with defense we can be really conservative on offense and obviously the treadwell injury and and all of the other injuries down the stretch kind of hamstrung them but but Bo kind of thinks even before then the offense was getting a little bit predictable
1: the signs of summer are here freshly mowed grass days in the water at the ballpark and all the rest on the golf course well that's how we do it over here at oxford and Ole miss anyway and PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone, from pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable, and my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second elevate your style game on and off the course with the pxg spring summer 2024 collection head over to pxg.com slash toc and use promo code toc for talk of champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel that's pxg.com slash toc code toc for talk of champions to save 10% on apparel pxg a proud sponsor of the talk of champions podcast network this
0: is the story of the one
1: When I was looking at the final five games or whatever it was, Alabama was obviously the number one as far as potential losses. But I had Texas A&M as two. And now I feel more confident about Ole Miss matching up and beating Texas A&M and Texas A&M than I do LSU.
0: I had A&M as like the fourth or fifth hardest game on the schedule. I had Kentucky ahead of them. I had Arkansas ahead of them. I had LSU ahead of them. Yeah. Um, And, again, teams change. I think A&M is going to be better next week than they were four weeks ago. I mean, that's just... It would have been
1: great if Ole Miss could have gotten Texas a and a month ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think A&M is... We'll see how they play against South Carolina this week. That's a weird game, but I don't think A&M's ever lost to South Carolina. I think they're cross-division rivals in A&M's either 8-0 or 9-0. and So we'll see. We, we will see. But yeah, this is, this is going to be a weird, fun one for Ole Miss and LSU because I just, as I said at the top, I think these teams are remarkably similar. You talk for a little bit while I look for something that I'm going to steal from Twitter.
1: Well, I want to talk to Becca, or I want to talk to your fiance's cat, who's obviously wanting your attention, sir.
0: She is my cat, too. I'm allowed to have a cat. So some of you guys might have seen this on Twitter, but there was a, a thing going around from CFB graphs, the advanced stats preview for this game. Win probability. Ole Miss, 49.99%, LSU, 50.01%. Projected points, Ole Miss, 2851 LSU, 2851
1: These are evenly, perfectly matched teams.
0: <laughs> like, these shit. are obviously advanced stats aren't everything. I, I think that I the ESPN stats are probably, I'm going to say Ole Miss is like a 65% chance of winning. Let me double check that.
1: Yeah, but that's like a 47-yard field goal and kickers make those all the time.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of my, my thought of, like, there's a lot of stuff that could happen in this game, but this is one of the situations where I will give Lane a lot of credit for saying the thing that I wish more coaches would say, which is when a game is decided by a touchdown or a field goal or something like that, you are probably played a game – where either team should have won. Like, you look at last week's Alabama-Tennessee game, and we're making these big extrapolations of, oh, is Tennessee the best team in the country? Oh, is Alabama on the decline? They played identical games. They, they were equally as good as one another. If they played that game 100 times, Alabama wins it 50 times, Tennessee wins it 50 times. But Tennessee won this one, so we're giving them, oh, Tennessee's the future and Alabama's the past. If you play the Ole Miss-Kentucky game 100 times, it's probably a 50-50 split too. But because of it, we're talking about, oh, Ole Miss is on this upward trajectory, Kentucky, oh, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. We put way too much emphasis on the outcome and not enough emphasis on the like input of why things happen the way they did. And in the same way that LSU's five and two because they have that loss to Florida State, How many times did they lose that game to Florida state on a missed extra point? Like weird stuff happens. Football games are weird. So when you have a game like this Ole Miss LSU game, where just about every analytic is telling you this game is going to be really even, anything can happen.
1: Give me three reasons for Ole Miss to be cocky and three reasons for Ole Miss to be worried shitless.
0: Um, Cocky number one. I don't know if they can slow down Evans and Judkins. Cocky number two, LSU's offensive line has been patchwork at times this year, and Ole Miss should be able to play downhill. Cocky number three, LSU special teams have been a disaster this year, and those self-inflicted errors can come back to help a team like Ole Miss in a close game. Um, scared number one, Jaden Daniels scored six touchdowns last week, three through the air, three on the ground. He seems to finally be playing like the five-star recruit we thought he was four years ago. Scared number two, LSU's pass rush is incredible. And Jackson Dart's been pressured on a third of his dropbacks this year. I know he's not sacked very much, but they're going to take him out of rhythm more than likely on these pass plays. Scared number three, the Tiger Stadium. It's (laughs) true. they're playing on the road at Tiger Stadium, which is something that Ole Miss historically has not been very good at.
1: What's your score prediction?
0: I haven't come up with it yet, if I'm being all honest. I, I think I'm going to pick Ole Miss by about two points, but I don't, I don't know if I have a prediction yet.
1: If I pick LSU, do you think I will get absolutely destroyed?
0: Maybe, but does, does that matter?
1: I would have to objectively say I think LSU wins the game. But I got to read the room too.
0: Yeah, to to paraphrase one of the great stand up comedians of our time, Mike Birbiglia, Ben, you got to make a choice. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy?
1: Happy every time. Yeah, absolutely every time. So I'm gonna pick Ole Miss minus two. Yeah. <laughs> I like ending these podcasts with you telling me something funny. So tell me something funny.
0: You want me to tell you my favorite story from when I lived in Baton Rouge? Yes. So to understand the story, uh, something that's gonna be relevant is you're gonna to have to know one of my best friends from growing up. Tor? No, is a, is, a, is a very, very bizarre human being named Troy. And uh, when, when we were 18, I went off to college and Troy joined the Marine Corps. And he, uh, he was in the Marines for four or five years. He was stationed in Japan where we have famously fought wars after 1945. One time he called me, this is not relevant to the story, but one time he called me, he's like, hey man, what's up? I'm like, not much, what are you up to? He said, I'm on a boat, we're going down to Australia to play paintball against the Australian Army. And I'm like, you're just scrimmaging?
1: I would be the guy that would just start getting picked on, you know, like how how many people can shoot Ben in the nuts?
0: But anyway, so Troy comes back from Japan in about 2016 and uh, decides to move down to Baton Rouge and live with me for a year. Um, Troy's been out of the service for about seven years now, and he hasn't gotten a haircut or shaved since. So he's remarkably scraggly now. But even then, in 2017, he was very scraggly. And so there was one day that I was going through a breakup. And I think I knocked out a six pack on my own. I'm like, let's just let's just feel some stuff. Who cares? Let's feel. Troy gets home from work he was bartending at a buffalo wild wings at the time and says hey man i'm really in the mood for a frosty you want to go to wendy's and i say y- yeah. yeah 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 i want to go to wendy's and he says cool let me change and he goes back into his room and he emerges about three minutes later wearing nothing but a blue silk kimono not even shoes, not even socks, just barefoot, blue silk kimono, hair down to his nipples, beard down to his clavicle. Um, and a lot of people who've followed me a long time know I also had pretty long hair back then. So we were we were looking kind of comical. I was drunk and Troy just is a weird person. So we decided to walk to the nearest Wendy's, which is about half a mile. And oh, my God, Joe looked like murderers. And so we, uh, we walked to the Wendy's and it's about 10.30. So the restaurant itself isn't open. So Troy just walks up to the window, drive-through window, and knocks twice. The guy behind the window opens it, takes a beat, looks Troy up and down and just goes, <laughs> awesome. And so we, um, Troy's like, uh, can I get a Frosty? Is your machine still on? And the guy's like, for you? two Frosties, price of one. I' are just like, oh, I guess we should walk up to Wendy's drive-thrus in kimonos more often. This is, this is good business strategy. And so as we're waiting for the food, a car comes zipping through the parking lot at like 80 miles an hour. Big bass thumping, just like low riding as fast as possible. And they come to a screeching halt right in front of us roll down their window, and like a cartoonish plume of Cheech and Chong-style smoke just starts flitting out the car driver window. This, again, cartoonishly stoned person looks at me and Troy and points at both of us and says, bro, 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 is Jesus the disciple, my guy? And uh, even me, six drinks in, was like, wait 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 do you think that do you think that jesus wore a blue silk kimono yes he did did. or do you think that one of jesus's disciples wore a blue silk kimono (laughs) because either way we have to address the kimono in this situation because i don't think those were indigenous to first century jerusalem he as i'm saying this because you know i have no filter sometimes the guy looks at me and says you guys are awesome where's the party at and Troy starts, like, pointing to our house. He's like, oh, it's over if you take... And I'm, I just put a hand on him, like, do not tell this person where we live, or he will follow us. So <sighs> we get our Frosties, and we go back home, and that story uh, kind of ends. But I will never forget the sight of just being like, okay, yeah, you're, I'm drunk, and you are barefoot in a kimono. Let's go to Wendy's.
1: Oh, he's Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion-Ledger. I've been geared at Spirit Been on Twitter. He's at Nick Suss on Twitter. I right for the Old Miss Spirit on three. You can check out Talk of Champions wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. It's always fun, man. Thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it too, Ben.
1: Save big on Brunch
0: for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.